0: This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India Show.
1: India is currently ranked at 142 on Reporters Without Borders' World Press Freedom Index out of 180 countries. A study behind bars, arrest and detention of journalists in India found that 154 journalists were arrested, detained or interrogated between 2010 and 2020 in India. And 40% of these cases were reported in 2020 alone. One of the cases that comes to mind is that of journalist Siddique Kappan, who was arrested in 2020 on his way to cover the Hathras gang rape by the Uttar Pradesh police. Charged under the anti-terrorism law UAPA, he is still behind bars. In November 2021, journalists Samridhi Sakunya and Swarna Jha were charged by Tripura police with spreading communal disharmony for covering an incident of mosque vandalism. This year in March, the Editors Guild of India spoke out against two separate incidents. One in Uttarakhand, where journalist Kishore Ram was charged with promoting enmity between castes for covering violence against Dalits. The second in Agra, where Gaurav Bansal was allegedly tortured by police for reporting about electoral malpractices in the recent assembly elections. Kashmir, however, is a whole other story. Some reporters say they're questioning if reporting is worth it in the valley. Some say reporting itself has become a crime since the abrogation of Article 370. In 2020, the centre released the New Media Policy, which allows politicians in Kashmir to start legal proceedings against journalists without evidence. In January this year, the Kashmir Press Club was closed. In February, the founder and editor-in-chief of Kashmirwala, Fahad Shah, was booked under anti-terrorism laws. Hi, this is Surya Tapamukherji, your host for this episode of the Suno India Show. I spoke to Anuradha Bhassan, the executive editor of the Kashmir Times. She had filed a petition at the Supreme Court following the communication blockade in the region in 2019 to 2020. Reporters at the time struggled to file stories with no internet or even phone connection. They would work in a small media facilitation center set up by the government and sent pen drives with news to Delhi. The Supreme Court laid down conditions that the government must fulfil for such a blockade and it resulted in partial restoration of communication services. The Kashmir Times office in Srinagar has since been sealed by the government. Since the abrogation of Article 370, the recent arrest of journalists and all the other changes, What is it like to be a journalist in Kashmir? How has it affected how you operate on a day-to-day basis as a reporter?
0: Look, journalism in Jammu and Kashmir has never been easy. And uh, that has been the case in uh, the last seven decades, maybe even before that. Uh, But particularly in the last uh, three decades uh, since uh, insurgency began, Uh, where uh, the media was caught between the guns on the two sides, uh, between uh, different warring factions of uh, militants, and between the different agencies, uh, security agencies, and uh, networks working uh, state and non-state operators. And there were pulls and pressures of all kinds from everywhere, including physical threat and intimidation. But um, after 2019, uh, that physical, though the physical intimidation threat is not as much as we saw during the 90s, yet it is one of the most frightening phases for media persons, the most challenging ever. Because even in the through the 90s, the journalists could at least... Work or were struggling to work and struggling to tell a story. This is becoming impossible in today's conditions when the state and primarily the state is completely intolerant to even a single word of criticism.
1: Right. And so how has the closing of the Kashmir Press Club, for example, affected journalists? Can you tell us what it was like to watch that unfold?
0: The Kashmir Press Club is something very new, but it came up at a time when it was much needed. And it played some role uh, while all media organizations were just uh, submitting themselves to silence or surrendering. And media organizations, I mean... uh, newspaper outlets or other broadcast um, channels. Um, And in that, the Kashmir Press Club stood out slightly differently because it had been talking about, post-2019, it had been talking about some of the challenges that the media persons were facing. It had spoken about it, had given statements about... uh, the repeated summons to different journalists of uh, different forms of harassment faced by uh, journalists. Besides, it was a common space where uh, journalists could, and it was located at a central uh, location within Srinagar. Uh, allowing journalists from everywhere and particularly freelance journalists who have no offices to sit there, to operate out of there, to uh, pass time between their uh, you know, field uh, interviews or, um, and field work. And uh, some of them were also using it as workspace. It was a space where they could relax, where they could interact, where they could be, Uh, collectively together as a community and that was important in these times because to exist collectively was important because it gave them some confidence um, and uh, a sense of belonging, a sense of being together, a sense of being united for a certain cause, for professional, uh, to uphold professional values and ethics and to Carry on their professions. And with that space gone, it becomes even more difficult for journalists. One, there is no uh, major organization willing to speak up uh, for them, two, there is no common space where they can come and and share, you know, express some kind of solidarity uh, with each other. And uh, soon after the closure of the press club, we have seen the enhancement of crackdown on uh, media in various ways, including arrests of journalists or uh, summoning them and uh, slapping criminal cases against them. And today we find that uh, there is nobody really talking about them or criticizing What has happened?
1: So, would you say that uh, it's different? The situation is different uh, for reporters in Jammu than it is in the Kashmir Valley?
0: Uh, No, I wouldn't say it's different. There is a tendency to control media professionals in every which way in both regions of uh, Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, However, in jammu the media has uh, been guided by you know the very statist agenda on its own uh, it has been pursuing that for a long time and uh, it has tried to re- reflect a pro uh, state narrative and taken a conscious decision to not criticize the state and by when i say that i mean um, i'm not talking of all of media but i'm talking about a predominant section of media which makes things for a very small minority within the media community in jammu region to you know uh, conduct itself uh, professionally which is to highlight in not just the achievements of the government but also point out its flaws because that's the job of the journalist to act as pillar of democracy, to talk about ma- marginalized sections, to highlight their issues and to um, provide them these unheard voices and invisibilized people uh, with a platform and then thus try and become a link between the government and the ruled so that, you know, there there is... Uh, better communication between the two sides in pursuit of better democracy and in pursuit of better delivery of governance.
1: Yes. Um, So there has been another uh, interesting development, which is that a lot of uh, publications, including the Kashmir Times, have recently been losing hundreds of its older reports. So could you tell us a bit more about that?
0: Still haven't been able to figure out how or why we lost it. But it's uh, not just a coincidence that the archives of all uh, newspapers and uh, archives uh, pre-2016 have suddenly vanished from the cyberspace. So, obviously, there is somebody behind it, somebody who is technically, you know, equipped to do that, uh, somebody who's powerful enough and somebody who has that kind of wherewithal. So, that's um, still a mystery how we lost it. I cannot speak for what happened with other uh, newspapers, but in our case, um, we really don't have a clue. Whether this was done with the co-option of some of our staffers, whether there was somebody hacking our site completely, whether it was non-state actors or state actors, I, I really cannot say. And we haven't been able to figure out also because we've been financially, we've been impacted for not just since 2019, but since 2010. And post-2019, we really are not, uh, we have no financial resources or manpower to either retrieve that data or to be able to even investigate uh, why this happened.
1: Right. So what do you think are the long-term implications of this, like several uh, publications uh, newspapers, um, digital media, like they've been reporting that, you know, they're not being able to, either like old reports are deleted or they're not being able to search them and find them. Um, so what, what do you think are the long-term implications?
0: Huge. It's an erasure of public memory. It's erasure of history. It's erasure of day-to-day history. of, And it's not just uh, something related to politics or economy. It's related to our day-to-day existence. Even uh, the archives hold information about uh, social trends, about uh, workers' unions. And, and these sometimes have a bearing on how society shapes itself. You know, small incidents, small events Uh, maybe even uh, small feature write-ups on various uh, issues of lifestyle, of uh, various social issues, of uh, uh, monuments, um, Mm -hmm. or related to history and other things uh, that may seem inconsequential. The newspaper archives have always been a preliminary source of information for researchers i remember in the days before uh, the internet you know now internet provides you in archives uh, uh, digitally but before that we've had so many writers who have written books on kashmir and they have spent months in our office just poring over those archives so you you do realize the importance that they have um, in in recording of uh, day-to-day history.
1: As you mentioned that there have been some financial struggles, so could you tell us a bit more about uh, how publications are generating revenue and uh, surviving financially and what's happening with the government and advertisements?
0: Look, newspapers in Jammu and Kashmir and, and that's also a case of uh, across India, have been reliant on um, advertisement support. And that advertisements either come from the private players or from the government. So in, in Jammu and Kashmir's case, it's been, the reliance has been more on the government ads. There uh, haven't hasn't been much of corporate uh, you know enterprise, hasn't made much inroads in, in J&K. In so uh, that reliance was always on government ads, which was state government ads and uh, the central government ads uh, released through uh, DAVP. So in 2000, uh, while the DAVP had uh, a rationalized policy of giving ads, the state government ads uh, were released on basis of whims, not on basis of circulation and other uh, you know, criteria. There was no rationalized policy. The rate fixation was not rationalized and that was an issue that we'd been taking up for several decades. So in 2010, the central government, uh, through an order uh, which came, uh, came from the home minister of that time, to the DAVP department, stopped the advertisements of several newspapers, including Kashmir Times kashmir based newspapers so our st- ads were stopped since then for other newspapers the advertisements were released uh, you know a year or two years later and then finally stopped but in our case they stopped the advertisements though the letter said kashmir based newspapers our headquarter is in jammu they stopped the advertisements for our jammu edition they stopped the advertisements for our uh, a Hindi publication called uh, Dani Kishmi Times for our Dogri edition, Jammu Prabhat, which was the only Dogri language newspaper in uh, Jammu, which is uh, the most widely spoken language in Jammu and is in the 8th schedule and the government is duty bound to promote the language and to support such ventures as newspapers in 2018 we were uh, we you know continued to print these all these papers despite suffering huge losses scaling down our operations operating on shoestring budget operating on losses and till in 2018 we had to shut down our uh, hindi and our dogri editions in uh, 2020 the government uh, sealed our office in uh, Srinagar and uh, we haven't been able to print in uh, our uh, Srinagar edition so we are just carrying on today without any money with an online edition and Jammu edition, Jammu print edition which uh, also is sometimes not very regular though it's a daily paper so it's it's, uh, it's struggling to just Barely breathe. Our uh, reportage, our content, the standards have fallen drastically. And, uh, you know, the finances do matter. And when I was talking about the office in Srinagar being sealed, you know, the media business is not huge in in a place like JNK. It has a small population. It is a difficult area with a hilly terrain where you have far-flung areas, which are so cut off that you cannot even reach out to them with print editions. So the circulations are very low. The financial financially newspapers have never been su- very sound. And so there is a lot of reliance on the government. And the government has always supported newspapers. And when I say always supported, I mean, so to say, yes, they are supposed to uh, support. And as as a policy, they have been supporting. Though even previous governments have been pretty whimsical when uh, newspapers have been critical. So that support includes not just the advertisement support, but also government accommodation. A government accommodation for residences, for uh, journalists, is a certain quota which is uh, has been earmarked for uh, journalists and uh, also for their offices in uh, Srinagar. So like all other newspaper offices in Srinagar, Ours was also operating out of a rented accommodation in a government building um, in the same area as several other newspapers.
1: And uh, how is the government now trying to shape journalism in Kashmir? Can you tell us uh, what you know about the new media policy 2020?
0: Oh, it's a very draconian policy. It actually completely sounds the death knell of journalism. There is not much in the public domain that the officials have put down. I mean, other than the policy, they have uh, put it down in the public space since June 2020. But it is not known whether it has been implemented. It is not known whether the rules have been framed, how it is going to be implemented. And uh, none of the officials are willing to talk about it. But what it does is it gives immense powers to a single bureaucrat to decide what is fake news, what is plagiarism, what is anti-national, and take punitive action against uh, journalists, which would include slapping of criminal charges. It um, uh, allows government to uh, surveil newspapers and journalists and uh, you know, gives them immense power, the, the state, the immense powers, to decide who's a bona fide journalist, who should be accredited, uh, who shouldn't be. And right now, I mean, there is really no accreditation body in place to even uh, give that kind of recognition. Uh, But what uh, happened in uh, Kashmir recently was that in the last uh, couple of months, several journalists, particularly freelancers, were compelled to fill in forms, certain forms. Or, uh, you know, get letters from uh, their district heads to um, vouch that, uh, you know, these are bona fide journalists. So that's against the freedom of the press.
1: Radha says that the communication blockade of 2019 and the successive internet blackouts have made reporters in the region insecure. They never know when the next blackout may happen and their access to information will be cut off again.
0: In 2019, there was a complete communication ban. And not just an internet ban, but also mobile. all mobile phones were shut down, even landline phones. Uh, were not working for almost a month in Kashmir Valley in the Muslim majority areas of Jammu region. And across Jammu and Kashmir, there was a complete or a partial internet ban. In the valley, the internet was completely shut down. And in Jammu, the mobile internet was shut down. And the mobile internet was restored one and a half years later. In uh, Kashmir Valley, the uh, broadband services were restored six months later, first with firewalls and restrictions, and in in phases later, gradually they restored it in its entirety. Uh, And that has impacted journalism a great deal. That also helped create a sense of fear among the journalistic community who were compelled to work out, Of small, shabby kiosk called um, the Media Facilitation Center, which was set up by the government, where three or four computers were set up and where about 200 journalists would jostle for space to work out. Or they would, you know, some journalists would operate by sending pen drives uh, to Delhi to their different newspaper outlets through other passengers. And that's how things operated, you know, under surveillance, under unreliable ways and and creating a lot of fear, leading to lack of confidence amongst the journalists. And that seems to have also prepared the ground for what is happening today or or what happened thereafter. And at the same time, there are also fears constantly that uh, though there is a Supreme Court verdict, which is now... um, Quite uh, promising in the sense that it talks about, talks against uh, prolonged internet bans. So the prolonged period hasn't really been specified and, and of placing in the public domain the reasons of why this uh, internet is being banned for whatever reasons. Uh, there have been several internet, hundreds of uh, internet shutdowns, even after the court verdict one that lasted for uh, a week uh, almost across the valley and others that have lasted a few days or a couple of hours. But that induces fears of how often, uh, you know, internet, which is a vital source of information, which is a vital source of disseminating information for uh, journalists, is going to be taken away uh, and or could be taken away. Uh, it Uh, if the court has said it cannot be banned for uh, prolonged periods can it be repeatedly uh, or intermittently banned more frequently there's no clarity on that and uh, that's also one of the peers media persons uh, grapple with
1: So journalists have been arrested in several other states as well while covering the Hathras gang rape, farmers' protests, caste violence uh, in Uttarakhand and uh, communal violence in Tripura. And now recently for reporting alleged electoral malpractice in the UP elections. So what for you are the similarities and differences with what's happening in the rest of India?
0: I think in some ways, Kashmir becomes a template for rest of India. It's an experimental ground and, um, you know, the same thing seems to be extended elsewhere. But in slight moderation, because what is happening in uh, Kashmir is not just the more brazen, uh, you know, cases of uh, arresting uh, journalists. There is on a day to day basis surveillance of journalists and of constant harassment and intimidation through calls, through summons, most of which are uh, orally uh, given to journalists, you know, just a phone call that you have to visit the police station. And there is no other way but to, you know, just visit those police stations rather than challenging them because... And uh, journalists are questioned for each and every report that they do. They are warned that there would be consequences. Some of them have been uh, abused. Some of them have been uh, slapped, harassed, questioned for hours and treated like uh, criminals. And this has become a norm. This is just normal, everyday story that every time a journalist is doing any story, they are prepared for at least a call that they will get from some officer. Despite that, journalists some of the journalists are braving all these challenges and continuing to write or speak or, or click uh, photographs. But what it does is is it completely slows down journalism. It reduces it drastically they, because every time that uh, some journalist is intimidated, they are compelled to think. Whether they should carry on with the next story they were working on or they should wait out some time. The other thing that most um, several journalists have been talking about is that they are thinking of quitting the profession either uh, completely or temporarily. Um, So these are uh, matters of concern today and these are issues that you know you you may not uh, be familiar with in rest of india as yet
1: you know like you said every journalist is now sort of forced to question if it still is worth it uh, to be a reporter in kashmir like the fact that you take this personal risk to even do interviews such as these right so what makes it worth it for you
0: you know i've been in the icon Uh, speak for rest, but I've been in the profession for 30 years. This is part of my life. This is who I am. How do I stop it? And uh, what makes me going is also, I know the present times are so dismal. You know, there is a bit of uh, pessimism about how things are shaping. But uh, having been a student of history, I'm aware that Nothing is everlasting. A tyrannical control cannot sustain for long. It's it's unnatural. It's artificial. This kind of artificial control will not work for long. So it's important to just hold on as of now. Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.